The FAA has released a new medical acceptance protocol for commercial pilots with diabetes that could pave the way for those successfully managing their condition to return to the skies. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This podcast is brought to you by Scudero, the software that elevates your flight operations. Filling in for Pete Combs, I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. It looks to be a landmark change to FAA policy. A new medical protocol by which pilots with insulin-treated diabetes mellitus could receive their first or second class medical certificate, provided they demonstrate the safe and responsible management of their condition. Now, general aviation pilots with diabetes have been able to earn third-class medical privileges since 1996 on a case-by-case basis. But this new protocol marks the first time the agency has allowed special issuance acceptance for pilots with diabetes to fly commercially. Joining us today to discuss this new protocol and its implications for business aviation is Dr. Clayton Cowell, Chair of Preventative Occupational and Aerospace Medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Also with us is Dr. Quay Snyder, President, CEO, and Co-Founder of Aviation Medicine Advisory Service. Dr. Cowell, let's begin with you. The FAA has granted flying privileges on a case-by-case basis to pilots with diabetes who are not operating commercially for more than 20 years. What lessons have been learned in that time to drive acceptance of this new protocol for commercial pilots? Well, I think that uh, we know that pilots can be responsible. And when I say that, uh, the current regulation as it's written for private pilots requires a, number one, a relationship with a board-certified endocrinologist, which would be the same in the new program for uh, pilots requesting class one and two medicals. They need to be able to demonstrate outstanding control of their blood sugars. Um, And in order to do that, there has to be a certain amount of discipline by dietary intake. There has to be a certain amount of discipline by how you're measuring your sugars. Dr. Snyder, not only have we seen greater understanding of methods to control diabetes, but also significant advances in technology that are driving this new protocol, correct? There are really two important areas. Number one, the success of the program with third-class certification and the ability of pilots to fly safely uh, on insulin under the protocols the FAA dictated uh, was an important um, landmark as far as aviation safety and reassuring the FAA. The other thing is the advancement of technology in treating and monitoring diabetes, such that the implementation of glucose monitors and in some cases uh, insulin infusion pumps make the uh, control of diabetes during the period of flight and even when not flying uh, much more predictable and uh, safe to address the concerns of potential subtle or sudden incapacitation when flying. On that note, it's important to understand how diabetes affects the body. Dr. Snyder, you alluded to how low blood sugar can lead to cognitive impairment or even a loss of consciousness, but that just scratches the surface of how diabetes can affect the body, correct? Absolutely, because diabetes affects the the diameter and the condition of the blood vessels. Uh, Many other organs are affected uh, besides just uh, someone's weight. Uh, The eyes are subject to uh, bleeding and deterioration in the vision uh, from diabetic retinopathy. 
The kidneys can have reduced function because of the small blood vessels being compromised. The neurologic system, as far as uh, feeling and also uh, what we call proprioception and knowing where the uh, the location of the different organs are, or different uh, extremities are without looking at them. But most importantly, it's cognitive function. Uh, with diabetes, you have the complication of narrowing of the blood vessels that supply the brain, and that can leave, lead to long-term subtle deterioration in cognitive function. So with the allowance of treatment with insulin, I think we have a much healthier pilot in the cockpit and hence a much safer airspace system. The long-term risks, of course, is that, you know, diabetes is a chronic disease. You have higher risks for uh, things like uh, coronary artery disease, and it's Diabetes is essentially a vascular disease. So anywhere where there's blood vessels, uh, there can be issues. So uh, things like higher risks for, uh, for example, strokes and atherosclerosis uh, involving vessels in the brain. Um, uh, you know, just every organ system from <laughs> erectile dysfunction to, uh, to uh, vascular disease in the extremities where you can get ulcerations in the legs and those types of things. So, you know, the FAA, I think from a, from a forensic standpoint is looking at how well are these aviators taking care of themselves in general because of the potential downstream things that can happen later on. So with that in mind, Dr. Cowell, this obviously marks a major shift in the FAA's policy for pilots dealing not only with diabetes, but potentially other chronic health conditions. What might such a change in policy mean for business aviation? Well, I think it's going to be great for business aviation in the sense that the I think everyone in the industry knows that we have a serious pilot shortage and there have been a variety of uh, aviators that have had to stand down uh, from doing what they love to do and, and working in that industry because of the regulations that have been uh uh, you know, put in place over the years. I think this is a, allows a lot more of these pilots that have been doing perhaps other things in aviation or uh, maybe changing jobs altogether to go back to the flight line um, and, and increasing uh, that pool of, of airmen, you know, to be able to uh, get back into the industry. Of course, this kind of testing also serves to improve the health of these pilots including some who perhaps may have tried masking their condition in the past. Dr. Snyder? Number one, we had a number of pilots who were foregoing treatment with insulin so they could maintain their medical certificates for first and second class certification and continue to fly. Although that decision was made on a financial and career basis, it wasn't perhaps the best for their health. And some of the pathologies associated with diabetes might have been Uh, progressing more rapidly because of the pilots electing not to take insulin so they could maintain their careers. By taking insulin, some of the macro and microvascular complications that uh, diabetes led to are better controlled and less likely to evolve. So the pilots in better health, also with the uh, better control of their diabetes, uh, their eyes, their heart, their kidneys, their neurologic system, and most important, their cognitive uh, function is uh, better maintained because they don't have the fluctuations in glucose. 
I think this is a wonderful policy that will allow professional pilots to maintain their certification while optimizing their health and to do so in a very safe manner that mitigates all of the risk associated with diabetes and flying. And the ultimate value in this is a great win, both for the individual pilots, uh, for aviation safety, and to the credit of the FAA uh, for being willing to make this change based on the evolving science. Coming up, we'll look at the steps that pilots with insulin-controlled diabetes will need to follow to be granted special issuance of their first or second class medical certificate. But first, a word from our sponsor, Scadero. Scadero is one powerful, intuitive solution for organizing all aspects of your flight operations. Whether you operate a large fleet or a single jet, Scadero can be tailored to fit your needs with customized integrations to any of your existing platforms. Access your operational data from wherever you are and enable your pilots to access relevant information using the Scadero Crew app. Elevate your flight operations with Scadero. Go to scadero.com to learn more. We're back now with aviation medical experts, Dr. Quay Snyder and Dr. Clayton Cowell, and our discussion about a new FAA medical protocol for pilots flying with diabetes. Dr. Snyder, this new protocol allows most pilots with diabetes to earn their first or second class medical certificate, provided they're able to demonstrate to the agency the ability to closely regulate their blood glucose level. Now, I would imagine that will be a fairly intensive process. The key element which is required for first and second class certification is the use of a continuous glucose monitor that has alarms set and um, levels set, which would trigger those alarms. Plus also it will indicate trends in uh, sugar rises or drops in the system. Therefore, a pilot using a continuous glucose monitor can know he or she has a blood glucose in a acceptable range and if it is approaching a low level, uh, can give uh, a, either uh, some sort of sugar supply uh, so that they can raise their blood sugar, or if it's getting high, uh, they can adjust their insulin dose and make it uh, safer for them. The FA does not require the use of insulin pumps, and many pilots are very well managed uh, with just insulin injections. However, if someone uses an insulin pump, that's also allowable but there are some uh, minor risks associated with the use of insulin pumps, particularly with the uh, pressure changes that um, pilots may experience in ascents and descents. But those can be mitigated uh, by clearing the, uh, the lines of any air bubbles that would change the insulin infusion. And um, with backup systems such as finger sticks, which aren't quite as accurate, uh, I think we have uh, a good redundant safety system in place uh, for the human element, the pilot in the system. So how would you recommend a pilot who may have been grounded by diabetes to start the process toward earning their medical certificate under this new protocol? The FAA has developed a series of checklists and guidelines on their website in the Guide to Aviation Medical Examiners, which walks a pilot and his or her physician through the process. Um, There will be requirements to Uh, use printouts from the continuous glucose monitor over a six to 12 month period. And then after certification every three months, 
It also requires documentation of flight times, uh, along with uh, glucose monitoring readings during that period of time. And if there were any deviations outside of that 70 to 250 range, uh, documentation of what the pilot did to uh, mitigate those risks and correct the situation. The pilot needs to be under the management of a board-certified endocrinologist for this and also needs evaluations of the eyes and heart by board-certified ophthalmologists and cardiologists, um, as well as looking at their medical history uh, for any evidence of diabetic-related problems. The interesting part is also if uh, the pilot has any accidents, either aircraft or automobile, uh, that needs to be documented as well so that the uh, impact of diabetes and whether that uh, was a contributory factor to uh, the accident uh, could be incorporated. And, and finally, in addition to all the medical documentation, uh, the pilot's physician needs to show that the, the pilot has a good understanding of managing his or her diabetes uh, with respect to diet, exercise, uh, insulin, in, um, insulin, I won't say infusions, um, but it would be an infusion if they had a pump or insulin injections, uh, so that they have a good understanding of how to keep their blood sugars in an acceptable range for both aviation safety and also for personal health. Dr. Cowell, what other suggestions do you have for pilots with insulin-controlled diabetes who will be looking to utilize this new protocol to return to the flight deck? It definitely will take someone with organization and an aviation medical examiner willing to, uh, you know, connect all the dots, so to speak. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, our listeners have to keep in mind is that if they're considering obtaining a special issuance uh, with insulin-dependent diabetes, is that they're going to have to have a minimum of six months of continuous glucose monitoring data available uh, for review. Uh, so, you know, this um, since its announcement, it's going to be a minimum of six months before we start seeing pilots being considered uh, uh, for this uh, waiver. Uh, they are going to need to establish, the pilot is going to need to establish a very good relationship with their treating endocrinologist. Um, and in fact, the regulation as written is that it needs to be a board certified endocrinologist who will need to provide a comprehensive uh, report about the, the clinical status for that uh, pilot. And, um, and then and that includes having laboratory uh, results available um, and um, all of the other either finger stick data or continuous glucose monitoring data available and articulated in their report. I think that uh, in addition, uh, there's going to be a need for an eye evaluation uh, by a board certified ophthalmologist and a cardiac risk evaluation from a board-certified cardiologist. And um, that was the FAA's decision in doing this is that they just didn't want uh, a primary care provider uh, uh, out doing those. It specifically calls for board certification by, in this case, the eye person and the heart person. Um, the uh, As the aviation medical examiner uh, evaluates these individuals initially, all of these uh, cases will need to be deferred and um, and then it will be reviewed by a physician reviewer 
uh, at the FAA who will then look at all of the collated data and make a certification determination at that point. So in summary, you know, it there's a, a lot of things that need to be pulled together for this special issuance packet. But I think that uh, certainly it's doable. It's, uh, you know, we have uh, private pilots that have done it for years, at least through our programs uh, at Mayo Clinic. And it's uh, uh, certainly something that a professional pilot can do as well. I think the whole idea of allowing uh, pilots uh, to become certified for what could be a, a um, you know, a profession killing condition uh, really shows that the FAA is trying to make efforts to open, to expand some of the opportunities for, for individuals out there. And I would say that, you know, the, the flip side of that is our pilot populations uh, need to step up and, and provide in an organized fashion all of the information uh, that the FAA is requesting. And I think it's a partnership between the aviator, between the pilot, their treating physician, and their aviation medical examiner. The FAA is accepting public comment on this new medical protocol through January 6, 2020 at www.regulations.gov. Business aviation pilots are encouraged to examine the new rulemaking and share their perspectives. Additional Fitness for Duty resources are available on the NBAA website at nbaa.org forward slash human factors. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan.